Assalamu alaikum everyone. Welcome back to the Prophetic Mentality Podcast. This is part two of our two-part series with Sheikh Mustafa Omar. If you've not already gone through part one, then I highly suggest you hit pause and go back to listen to part one before you go any further. Now, if you've already listened to part one, then you already know why you're here. I won't keep you waiting, so assalamu alaikum and enjoy part two. Yeah, things are going good. Um, so I, th- the reason you know we wanted to bring you on was to talk about masculinity. We know there was a seminar that happened in SoCal. This was, I think, uh, middle to late of 2019, right? There was a seminar. Was it a seminar or uh, the rethink, reclaiming masculinity? The, the reclaiming, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, masculinity. I forgot when it was, but yeah, about a yeah. year or two ago. Yeah, about a year or two ago, something like that. And uh, you know, we wanted to kind of pull a little bit of that information and you know talk about that topic in general i mean i've said this before on the podcast but the main reason i started this was due to my own confusions when i was getting married yeah right uh maybe it's because i not i didn't have too many examples in my life of what a man is supposed to be you know i have my father Mm -hmm. but you know you only interact with your family for so long you have there's social media there's entertainment you're uh, you know i'm spent majority of my time here in america growing up so and you're you're constantly learning and trying to adapt your thinking to whatever is modern and whatever people are telling you so you know all that stuff converges when i'm trying to get married and all of a sudden i'm like what the hell is going on yep. you know yep. so as as a muslim like what what does it like what does it mean to be a man you know we could let's just start that's a basic question before before we actually actually start do you need a break no no i'm good okay no, do you no. need a break no that's just um, yeah, okay, we're good. I think everyone's good. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Uh, so, what does it mean to be a man? <clears throat> it's it's a it's a general question. Very general question. Okay. So, the thing is, there this idea. Okay. So, biologically, we understand the difference between man and woman. Okay. Everyone understands that part. This idea. Can you can we hammer in that point just? For today's audience, sure. So, so, so let, let me. Tell I'm not. You. I'm not even joking. I'm saying like, there biologically there is. Okay. You can play with gender, whatever all you want, but. So let me tell you my with my background growing up, right? I, uh, my understanding of gender, uh, before I was you know kind of practicing Muslim, my general understanding was kind of leaning towards almost like radical communist type of uh, you know understanding where. There's only physical differences between male and female, but that's where it ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything else is just a pure social construct. Okay, so I think, uh, and that was in the '90s, right? When I was growing up, I think that's kind of becoming a much more common philosophy among <coughs> people. Is that their understanding generally is male and female they have different bodies men have a penis women have breasts you know things like that we have that understanding you know a difference in hair difference in you know amount of body fat things like that musculature Mus- broad yeah, shoulder yeah, it, small it, waist that kind exactly. of exactly yeah, yeah. so the physical parts but outside of that everything else is just a social construct and all of that needs to be deconstructed so the role of man in society the stereotypes of you know crying like a woman uh toughen up like a man a, Every single notion from even from men being in the military, from, uh, you know, women being football players and construction workers and everything. Basically, anything that a man can do, a woman should be able to do Mm -hmm. and vice versa. And 
these social roles have been enforced upon us through you know just these these oppressive cultures mm-hmm. right so that's kind of been my understanding growing up at least conceptually well if it's not practically so the the issue becomes is that is this a correct understanding and what really clicked for me in my understanding of Islam was two things number one is that uh, from a purely scientific perspective yes we got all the physical differences but then there are psychological differences and if you have psychological differences which are grounded in biological differences you have a very strong foundation that there's more than just physical differences so what I mean by that like for example testosterone okay guys have a different level of testosterone what effect does that have on their psyche on the way that they process things there is objective research to show that the amount of testosterone that the average male is going to have is not something that's influenced by society it's not a cultural influence it's something that's built into people right so if that's built into people that means there's a physical difference and there's a psychological difference if there's a psychological difference um what role or what effect is that going to play in society Mm -hmm. now the whole argument of nature versus nurture you know you have this nature part being made as well so when you understand that coming from an islamic perspective what does islam say about all this islam differentiates between males and females in many rules across the board there's no spiritual differentiation which is the most important aspect right so Mm -hmm. if a man does a good deed a woman does a good deed they're on the same level man does a bad deed a sin a woman does a sin they're on the same level there's not like oh uh, men's good deeds will be multiplied or women's bad deeds will be multiplied or something like that there's no concept like that that's the that's the equality or part of gender equality spiritual gender equality but beyond that if you look at the rules and you kind of deduce certain wisdoms you see that there's a difference in where men and women are standing in prayer there's a difference in uh, women not praying during their menstruation. There's a difference in the inheritance amount that's being given. There's a difference in when they're getting married, who has the right to uh, unequivocally or single-handedly pronounce divorce. There's a difference in who has to give mahar uh, to the other person, dowry to the other person. So yeah. you look at everywhere across the spectrum, there's a difference between men and women. There's difference in the way that they're supposed to dress. The Prophet, peace be upon him, cursed people who try to imitate the other gender in their dress. Mm-hmm. So you look at all of these things and you're like, well, wait a minute. These are clear-cut rules from an Islamic perspective. These were not contextual to only the time, right? And if they're not contextual to only the time, what is the underlying rationality or rational basis behind it? It's pretty simple. It's not just that they're physically different. The psychological differences which are proven now manifest themselves in differences in the way in which they're going to be acting Mm -hmm. the type of maybe role that they're going to be playing and that's really important for people to understand because they're trying to redefine this idea of gender roles what is a male what is a male role in society what is a male role versus a woman's role in marriage and again these roles can somehow be adjusted you know depending on the society in which you live but there are constants and the constants in Islam, because of the rules in Islam, it, it locks certain things down and says, here are the constants that should not change. And from those constants, we derive certain principles. And from science, we understand the same thing. We realize certain constants of, uh, you know, uh, certain kind of chemical uh, difference between the two is going to lead to a different behavior. It's very solid research on that. Those are constants we can build on. That's like the foundation of understanding 
masculinity or femininity in and society. And what, what's interesting, so like fiqh-wise, Islamic law-wise, what if I'm the exception to the rule? What if I can drink my body, I had some weird gene, I could drink alcohol and never get drunk? Yes, exactly. Cause that, so can I start drinking alcohol? So the thing is, exceptions don't make the rule. Exactly. Right, exactly. So that's the thing. So yeah, there will be people who are exceptions. And it's not like Islam Islam didn't know this, right? Islamic Muslim scholars had dealt with... Uh, Hermaphrodites. Uh, herma- they call it hermaphrodites now. That's yeah. that's a politically incorrect term. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. You don't know. It's in the I'm books. I'm not of, woke enough. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. What happens woke, if you woke. if you have both uh, genitalia? What what? You've that? used the wrong term. So what you what happens? Hermaphrodites is a category. It's like a genus that uh, encompasses plants as well. So what you're doing is you're talking about human beings, and you are actually using a term which is even used for non-humans. Therefore, you're dehumanizing the person oh, who has both. I things. apologize. So, yeah, cross that off. The correct term now is intersex. Oh, intersex. Yes, that's, that's only the LGBTIQ and all the other letters that come later. That's the I. The it's I either, is intersex. It's either inquiring or intersex. There's, there's oh, different. That's why it's I squared. Yeah, oh, exactly. There's different schools of thought, so it depends. So the Q can also be questioning. The four Yeah, so they have different opinions within the. You've not gone into the, the details. Oh, yeah, so. I thought, okay, because I like, I mean, this stuff is over <laughs> all over my newsfeed because. Because your I, algorithms are messed up. My <laughs> algorithms all messed up on Facebook. And I thought I knew, but I just learned something today. SubhanAllah. <laughs> so, so Muslims have known about this idea of khuntha. Okay? Well, her, translated as hermaphrodites, but supposed to be translated now as intersex. Right? So Ali was approached, right? Mm. Uh, and uh, they asked him, like, oh, we have a, a child that mm. has both genitalia. What do we do? Do we put him with the men or women? And he said, which... How does he use the bathroom? Or right. how does the child use the bathroom? And exactly. the more dominant one is the... Exactly. So but their understanding of gender was binary, right? And there's like this fight against, you know, uh, this non-binary gender and all it's that stuff. unlimited gender. Unlimited gender, exactly. So the idea of binary gender was you have to assign this child to be one of the genders because it has to be one of the two. And if we're wrong in our uh, decision... Then when it starts growing up and we see different characteristics, we'll assign it back to the other gender, whichever one is supposed to be. We could be wrong in our assignment, but there's only two gender options. Right? So yeah. that part was clear. Yeah. But nowadays it's... Uh, it's not clear anymore. It's not clear anymore. Not, nothing's clear because you're allowed to invent any gender you want. So gender... So you're saying you can deconstruct it, but up to a certain point, up to like the core principles, right? Maybe you can de- deconstruct whatever your society imposed... You mean in terms of masculinity? In terms of masculinity and gender. In terms of roles and all that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like every culture has its own understanding. Exactly. Every culture has its own understanding. You know, like uh, maybe women wear hats in some society and men wear hats in another society. It's going to be different. Men wear earrings in one society. Women wear earrings in a different society. Maybe male aggression is shown, has a different connotation to it in some society. Exactly. you know, that you can deconstruct that. Exactly. But at the end of the day, you know, a man is supposed to be, you could say, the provider, the caretaker, exactly. the protector, whatever it is, right? Exactly. So there's um, certain constants that are there that are prescribed in Islam. Mm-hmm. And then those constants have a backing rationally within you know, our understanding of what human beings are. Right. So what are some of those principles that those core tenets, Islam. Islamic ones, okay. yeah, from an Islamic perspective, that's what we're trying to focus okay. on. So from an Islamic perspective, let's keep, let's keep it like colloquial level. You know, this is like for the average college student, you know, yes. it's like, what am I supposed to be? You know, how yes. am I supposed to be as a person? Okay. Right. So um, let's, t- let's say in terms of marriage, let's start with marriage. Sure. Okay. So when someone gets married, the uh, man is supposed to be the provider of the family. He's financially responsible for taking care of his family, including his wife and his kids. 
right? So now what you have is very common to have what's called egalitarian marriage, where basically everything's supposed to be split 50-50. That means that husband and wife both work, husband and wife both take care of the kids equally, husband and wife both cook equally. It never works out that way, but that's the yeah. ideal conception of marriage, which means that they both earn uh, independently and they both spend on the house independently, yeah. right? But in Islam, it's not that way. So even if a wife is working, man is still financially responsible for her. Because he's financially responsible for her, uh, there's going to be other things that accrue. There's going to be a different sense of responsibility, different rights and responsibilities within the marriage in terms of being in charge of the household, in terms of making certain decisions that's for the security and the protection of the household. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of uh, when he's inheriting, he's going to inherit a different amount than his sister is going to be inheriting. Because he's still responsible for possibly his mother or his sisters as well. Or his sisters as well yeah. and, and his own family, whereas his sister gets married, she's going to be taken care of. Yeah. So she's not financially responsible. So she's still getting money, but she doesn't need to spend that money on anyone else besides yeah. herself, right? Yeah. So when you look at Islam as the whole system, it kind of puts these things into context. Yeah. So can I ask you a practical? I heard this one at once at a, one of the TR Tajid retreats. Mm -hmm. That's a really good question. Actually, one of the cabin leaders is asking it, right? Okay. Says she, because they're talking about, it was like the men's only Q&A. Mm -hmm. So we live in a society today where some women are going to make make more than men as much as men right yes. which wasn't as common maybe even just one generation ago yep so, so he's looking he at the time he was looking to get married he said look I'm, I'm talking to some woman and the thing is they're making they're working they're, they're making a good amount of money and then she's like okay we're gonna get married but you're gonna take care of all the expenses and all that and on top of that you're gonna pay me my my gift yep and on top of that, you're going to take care of all the household expenses. And I'm still making, and I'm going to work the full time too, though. You can't make me stop working. Even if you say like, oh, I want to start a family. I want you to stay full time at home with the kids. She said, no, but I'm going to make my money. And my money is my money and your money is my money. Hmm. And that's the kind of life I want to live, so to speak. So we live in a society now that's, and we talked about this offline, you know, being pushed of, uh, they call it utilitarianism. Yeah. Your worth is what you make. Mm -hmm. And some women, unfortunately, are falling into that where the worth of motherhood is being diminished rapidly. Yep. Fertility yep. rates are dropping. Marriage yep. rates are dropping. Um, so can you speak to, I mean, this is the modern context. So a man's looking for a woman and he finds, she's an educated woman. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm. But how, how should they approach these new dynamics that we have today? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. When it comes to family, okay, Islam encourages family. Okay, there's an encouragement of having children. The... It's not a requirement, yeah. but there's an encouragement. The Prophet, peace be upon him, talked about, in a, in a nutshell, he's basically <coughs> saying that, you know, I'm going to be proud of my ummah on the Day of Judgment when there's more people. So, you know, have more children. This is a good thing. So people who can do it, great. And if you're having kids, you want them to be raised properly. You want them to be raised in a, in a good manner. That requires time. It requires investment. So this model that the person is asking about or is proposing or is kind of like the new trend. So, you know, I'm going to keep my money. You keep your money. You're going to give me the gift. You're going to support the family. And I don't want to have any family. I don't want to have any kids or anything like that. This idea of, well, that's going to maximize my self-worth. There's two problems with that. Problem number one is you're, you're not helping with, you know, continuation of the human race or spreading of the ummah, right? Number one. Uh, and number two, there is... There's good research to show that there's an innate desire, particularly in women, to be that nurturing mother, to be caring, uh, and then there's a time in their life where it kind of it clicks, and then 
they're like, you know, I, I feel my you know biological talk, uh, clock talk. is ticking and stuff like that. So that innate nature is in line with the fitra or the natural disposition. That's something that oftentimes if this becomes a trend in society, again, exceptions are exceptions, yeah. but this becomes a trend, people are going against their natural disposition. Right. This is there's there's good research on it. Many people say that they feel it. They want to you know be able to raise a child or something like that, and going against that is going to be harmful to society. Not only is it going to be harmful to society, it's going to be harmful to that woman as well, down the line, at least to most of them. Right? Maybe yeah, going against your fitra is never never it's, it's, it's ne- all, yeah. never going to pay off. It's never going to pay off. And yeah. the thing is, you know, there'll maybe there there'll be a feeling of accomplishment. Uh, for that particular person, maybe for a period of time, but the vast majority of people who go down that route, the, the achievement, the accomplishment of material uh, mm-hmm. accomplishments is not going to be long lasting. Right? So that's a very materialistic view of, yeah, and that's, that's kind of the problem with the way our, our, our society is shifting. Women are, women are viewing that men have traditionally had the power and the money in their a monopoly over power and money yeah right mm-hmm. as you go the, the patriarchal society yeah and somehow there's like this uh this idea is that there's this uh underlying agenda to ensure that it stays in the hands of men and it can never be in the hands of women so part of you know the feminist movement second wave and now third wave feminism has been to acknowledge that yeah, there's this patriarchy that exists and we have to override this patriarchy because it's unjust and we need to replace it with something else where women can get access to money and power. Mm-hmm. And I think this notion needs to be deconstructed. It needs to be understood that is from the Islamic philosophical perspective, is money and power the the highest level of achievement that someone should aim for, number one? And number two, uh, if it's if money and power is not that, is there anything equivalent or equitable to money and power that women can strive for that has a similar value like money or power, right? And what Islam says is yes, there is something, right? There is that nurture, there is that care, there is that raising of a generation, yeah. there is that emotional aspect of life, there is the social connections that women can have that men cannot have. So while they can also share in some aspects of money and power right that is not a goal to say these things are not the the things that women generally throughout most universal cultures have inclined towards or focused on these have no real value only these things that men have had have value so we need to try and shift over here and be in the role here in order to get access to this and we can kind of push (coughs) men as much as possible back over here well there is some overlap Right? But then there's some separation as well. And I think this is a big mistake that people are making and it's exactly what you know what you're dealing what you're talking about. Is this this desire of money and power are the most important thing. It's I think mainly I think it's power. Pa- power is the well the, the power the structure. money leads to power. The money leads right. to yeah. power. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And I, I, I rights with it. And right. I think this is all a reaction. It's a reaction to abuse of power, right? So, so it I I would I would say that it's yeah. the man's you know yeah. man's man's abuse of power. Man's abuse of power, losing yeah. their responsibility, the, not being who they should be. Exactly. Otherwise, you wouldn't have had these issues exactly. to begin with. Exactly. So this doesn't come the, out of nowhere. Exactly. It doesn't come out of nowhere. It doesn't come out of a vacuum. Yeah. There's some legitimacy in the response. But when the response becomes so extreme, 
that you generalize and you say this entire thing is a patriarchy. We need to fight the patriarchy. All men. All, all men are all men across the board or the system of the men across the board and you define it as a systematic, you know, type of oppression. Uh, like this Michel Foucault type of uh, you know uh, system structure power uh, yeah. power structure of oppression, this idea becomes very problematic and it, it it puts men and women you know at conflict with each other, and it's it's not it's not going to create a balanced society. So that that narrative needs to kind of be uh, there needs to be an alternative to that narrative. And I don't think the men who internalize that worldview, they're not um, attractive to women. You know, because they end up being very passive. They they don't have any self assurance. They're not very uh, confident in themselves. Yep. Um, and at the end of the day, if this is something actually, I heard from a matchmaker. Hmm. They said, you know, a lot of these women who are feminist or they're very like into their career or they're very strong in their person. I don't I don't I don't remember the exact words the person used. But when they're looking for a man to marry they want someone who's actually one step above them in that regard like they don't want someone who's mm. soft and let them do whatever they want mm. um they end up not being satisfied mm. in that kind of relationship mm -hmm. even though they have that super strong feminist mentality right right yeah. yeah it's really sad because we also spoke about this there should be value in a woman getting her education college degree all that good stuff and then we should as a society i mean we have to push it too and the men have to value it and say an educated woman raising my children mm. is worth a ton to me, more than you making money. You know, mm. a lot of people are like, oh yeah, dual income, bro. That's what I heard a lot of guys would tell me. Dual income, can't wait. That's it. Yep. Like, yeah, but when you have that kid, you're going to have a conflict. If you guys didn't discuss it beforehand, like, oh, you have to drop your career now. That thing where like dual income, no more dual income. And we've been living on dual income standards and that's when we have to drop our standards. And just a lot of things build, can right. fall apart after that. Huge problem. Yeah, I mean, just dual income ideas. What's happening in California, majority of families are dual income. Yeah. Uh, to live here, you kind of, it's the, difficult not to. And yeah. but the reason why is because the reason why the rent is so high in California is because of the dual income, right? So people don't realize that. Most people have dual income, so now they can afford this type of rent. The people who don't have dual income, guess what? They're like, oh, well, my rent, you know, my salary is going to be much lower. So that brings the housing prices much higher. I mean, that is an economical argument, but I w if you were to say something like that nowadays in the blogosphere, that would be very pro problematic. Why, why would it be problematic? Because you're blaming women, you're essentially <laughs> saying, yeah, you're essentially saying that if women just didn't work, lives would, you know, yeah, yeah, things know. would be cheaper. That's. I mean, in the blogosphere, you're gonna get crazy. And you know who actually made that argument before you? Yeah. Elizabeth Warren. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, she made a similar argument. Okay. So that's you're you're safe, but. <laughs> Someone had mentioned it to me, right? And when I first yeah. heard it, I'm like, that's uh, you know, that's that sounds very problematic. And then I just sat and thought about it, and you explained it, and I'm like. Actually, that makes a lot of sense. I'm, I'm not saying that it has to be the ideal situation. I'm saying if this is the ideal model, yeah. right? If this becomes the ideal, two things going to happen. Number one, if they're having kids, assuming they're having kids, I mean, advanced countries like Scandinavia, mm -hmm. uh, Japan, they have very, very low birth rates. People cannot even get married. They're not having kids. The death rate is higher than the birth rate. Yeah, declining population. Yeah, major, major declining population, yeah. right? Yeah. But uh, let's say they let's say they have kids. Uh, with dual income, how much, how much nurture is there going to be for the kids, and what's going to happen to the next generation? So I mean, there is this concept, or I, there's a concept of division of labor. Okay, there can be overlapping of labor, like there is any company, but there's a concept of division of labor uh, in every company, in every every field of life. So 
and that's considered to be something which is beneficial yeah. for, for, for that uh, structure. It's the same way in marriage. It's always been the same way in marriage. But what's happened is with this idea of egalitarian marriage because women have access to jobs. I'm not saying they shouldn't. It's good that they have access to jobs. But there, there has to be a division of labor after a certain period, usually when kids come into play, right? And if, if kids don't come into play, yeah, it's, it's, it's okay, all day, great. Yeah. You just both keep working. and No one's affected. That's no, why. No one's going to be affected. Exactly. So yeah. there's no big deal. Mm. So the, the ideal, the assumption of the egalitarian marriage is kids are taken care of somehow. Which taken is now the state. the state. Taken care of by the state, taken care of by the public school. The argument only works when you don't factor in the rest of the family. Yeah. When you factor in the rest of the family, the argument breaks down completely. And what's the cause? What's one of the biggest causes of breakdown of society? It's breakdown of family, mm-hmm. right? Well, people people who don't even have like uh, you know conservative family values or whatever you want to label it, they still understand that family problems are family problems, right? Like it results in major issues within a society. Yeah. So uh, that's what happened. That's why that division of labor is there, mm-hmm. and that's why that division of responsibility and rights are also there built into Islam. Because it fits into the natural paradigm. Everyone understood this. Most most societies in the entire world understood what we're saying without even saying it. It's just recently there's this, this notion has changed because uh, women have much more access to labor or uh, you know, uh, employment opportunities and jobs and education and stuff like that. And that access is not the problem. It's the career part that becomes the problem if family is going to be involved. Right? Mm-hmm. So the answer that's come, the answer is, well, you know, everyone's equal across the board. Everyone should have the same rights and responsibilities across the board. Everyone should sacrifice equally across the board. Now, what is that really going to look like? Does that look like, okay, guy's going to go to work one day and woman stays at home with the kids. The next day he stays at home. She's going to go to work. He stays, you know, yeah. you've never seen that environment. That doesn't exist, right? So there's a hypothetical that people are saying this is, would be the ideal. But that ideal really doesn't exist. It's not practical. And when people think about it, they know it's not practical. It's only practical when there's no children and no family involved. Yeah. And when I, when I talk to people some, about like pre-marriage things and they say, oh, what should I ask potential spouse? Mm. Say, ask, you got to ask a question about kids. No one, asks, no one asks those questions. They say, am I compatible with this person? Yep. Okay, you probably are. Probably not. You can figure that out pretty quickly. But you got to ask when we have a child. Let's say five years if you don't want to think about it now. Five years from now we have a child. Yep. Are you going to stay home with a child? If that's what you want, if that's what you value as a man, you have to ask that question today, yep. not in five years, and then exactly. get pissed off and we have an issue. And that's, that's a requirement. So I we, won't even perform a marriage without one premarital consultation. And I, I only have, I don't have that much time to invest in it, so I just do 20 minutes. And one of the questions is, have you talked about children, right? And what is it going to look like when you have children? And you'd be surprised. Most of the people who come in, they're like, um, yeah, yeah, we, you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll agree on that. I'm like, no, no, no. you're going to agree on it like right now. You need to, need to discuss it now because you never thought about it. And when they start talking about it, they're like, yeah, yeah, you know, um, you know, I'm going to, the guy's like, yeah, I, I'm okay with the, you know, taking care of the kids a little bit and stuff like that. And she's like, yeah, see, see, he's okay. I'm like, no, no, how is it really going to be when you're in your career? Are you, are you going to pause your career? Is he going to pause his career? Are you just both going to keep working? And, you know, who's going to do what? And most of the time, they have no they have no understanding. And I, I give them a scenario. So what would happen in this scenario? And then all of a sudden, you see like major conflict. And they're like, well, I, I thought 
I thought you'd be okay with this. Well, I thought you wouldn't say something like this, you know. And then you realize, wow, they didn't even think about it. It didn't even it didn't even dawn on them. And this is one of the major even, causes yeah. of marital problems today. Even yeah. when you want kids, I have a friend. He thought he, and I guess they had spoken about it, right? Like, oh, she wanted kids. Like, what's funny? The woman wants kids later, not the guy. Hmm. And he, it's been I think they've almost been married two years. He's like, man, I'm like, I really want a guy. I want a kid, and but she wants to finish X Y Z school and then use it for a while. She told me like three years from now. It's like three years. That's crazy. It's already been two years. I can't wait that long, right? And he's because he thought he could convince her or like she would change later. But people, is, you gotta like. This is very common. The, yeah. thing, the thing is, most people who come in for a premarital consultation, they'll come after the engagement, after they're romantically involved mm. already. And yeah, the thing is that, that's that's too late because what you're gonna deep. do, you're, get, you're, you're That's the Western model. <laughs> that's the Western. They model. moved in together. And, <laughs> no, no, I mean, no, without, no, without even moving in. Yeah. Just basically, if you're in love already. And now you're. Oh, I'll do every anything for you, honey. That's exactly what yeah. happens. They're like, you know, a woman's like, you know, I really don't want to have children. It's like, I'm like, are, are you okay with that? Like the guy, are you okay with that? It's like, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I guess I would be okay with that. You know, I, 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 th- I think that would be okay. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I talked to him. He said he's okay with it. And I'm like, are, are you really okay with that? And the thing is, let's let's just say. He's 19 and he's okay with it. He doesn't know. When he's 22, when he's 25, when he's 33, he may not be okay with it, right? So what's going to happen in that case? Now you're going to have major setup for marital conflict, right? So that's this idea. If this is not taught and it's not being taught, if it's not taught, it's not discussed uh, what people's trends are, people are going to continue to have major family issues and uh, divorce rate will increase. Family con- forget divorce rate. Family conflict rate is going to continue to increase, uh, and that's just that's not good for society at all. So on the masculinity side of things, a man yes. is a provider. Man is the provider, the, per- the caretaker, right? He's supposed to, you know, essentially pay everything, pay for everything, cover his his children, his wife. Pay for everything. They go out for dinner. Who's going to handle handle the check? It's obviously, it's going to be the guy. You know, yeah, a lot of non-Muslim days split the check or something like yeah. that. Yeah, no, they get this guy's going to take care of it. Car breaks down at 11 p.m. on the way back from a party okay and kids are in the back seat uh cell phone doesn't work who's going out of the car who's gonna walk to the call box it's the man that's it when something happens in the middle of the night and you gotta go outside to check it out who's gonna do that it's the man it's gonna be the man so it does that's that's the expectation now again exceptions can be exceptions some women, I know someone will come along. Or black like, belts. Well, I'm, the, I'm, I'm, I'm a black belt, you know. I'm tougher than him. I could do like a taekwondo kick. I could take this guy down. Okay, you probably can. Maybe you're an exception to the rule. You want to volunteer to go down? That's fine. You, you can do that. Because at the end of the day, you're volunteering to go down, you're possibly go down. Exactly. So what, yeah. what is by mutual consent? So you can, can we take a pause? Because yeah, I think both cameras just went out. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Bismillah. Let's just take a, like a five minute. Let's, let's do it. Yeah. Oh, man. <sighs> Sorry for that little intermission. <laughs> we had some technical difficulties because, mashallah, this podcast is going on longer than we planned. Alhamdulillah. What, what, did, we, what did we leave off? So he, he was talking about roles, and I want Sheikh um, ask Sheikh Mustafa this question. So a lot of times when they talk about roles in the household, they like to bring up the example of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi which is a good thing, virtuous. You want to bring up the uh, example of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi right. And they say, well, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi he always used to cook his own meals. He used to mend his own clothing. He used to, what, give me a household chore. He did it. And right. it's anti-Islam not to do these things. Yeah. So if you, you've heard these arguments. And, yes. Yeah. So what, what are your thoughts on that? It's uh, cringeworthy, unfortunately, because what it is, it's, it's taking... 
the entire hadith completely out of context. And this is, this is actually very dangerous because what you're doing is when you take a hadith out of context, you are almost telling a lie against the Prophet ﷺ. This is a very, very serious thing. So the context of that hadith is really to indicate to people that the Prophet ﷺ did not think that any type of task was below him. Okay, you understand? I have to understand. He's a, he's a leader. He's a political leader. He... You know, political leaders, presidents and stuff, they have guards at their door. Uh, they have cooks. They, they have cooks. Yeah. They have people, uh, you know, the average common people cannot meet them. Uh, they don't do menial tasks, small little things and stuff like that. It feels beneath their dignity. Mm -hmm. So when this hadith is being reported, they're clarifying that the Prophet Sallallahu was not so, it was not an arrogant person. He was so humble that even though he's the prophet, even though he's the head of state, even though he's a, a kind of political leader or king or whatever you want to call him, he, it was not beneath his dignity to do these type of tasks sometimes, once in a while, right? So yeah, he could potentially cook a meal. He could potentially you know sew his own clothes or mend his own you know garment or something like that. This hadith does not mean that on a daily basis, on a regular basis, he's doing all these household functions. Because if he's doing all these household functions, there's two problems. Number one, how does he do them when he's not even in Medina most of the time? Right? He's, he's somewhere else, right? So he's going to be doing all of this when he's not even at home, first of all. Second problem with the argument is that if he's doing all of this, what are his wives doing? Because people quote this in the context that, well, men should be doing this too. Because the Prophet, peace be upon him, did this. So if the Prophet did this, and he did battle, and he did teaching, and he did, you know, all the other things that he did, what exactly is the role of the wives? When people put that in there, they have nothing left. And sometimes I've, I've actually heard, uh, you know, some teachers, you know, Islamic teachers saying, yeah, the woman is like a, a princess, you know, and she, she gets the life. Wouldn't you want the life of a princess? And it's like, that's the way we make da'wah to people. Mm -hmm. We tell them that if you become Muslim or, you know, uh, the beauty of Islam is that a woman gets to be the princess who doesn't have any responsibilities. And I'm just like, look, I understand the da'wah motive, but that is very disingenuous. That is not an accurate representation of how the wives of the Prophet Sallallahu were, first of all, nor is it an accurate representation of how the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu was. So the context, the context would be, look, if a guy has to do some of these things sometimes, it shouldn't be beneath his dignity to do it when there's a need for it. This doesn't mean that he plays that role and he plays every other role as well. That just doesn't make sense. So it's like, it's like when the Prophet Sallallahu is picking up bricks to help build the masjid, right? That doesn't mean that, that that's his role now. Like he's a construction worker. He's a builder. He's yeah. a builder, yeah. you know? He used to, you know what he used to do? He used to lead the Muslim community and he used to be in the masjid and he used to do judgments between people and he used to lead the army and when it was time to build the masjid, he would go and build the masjid himself. No, it didn't mean that. It means that he didn't think it was beneath him to go and pick up a few bricks once in a while. Doesn't mean that he's constructing all the masjids himself. It's very important to have that context because what people are doing is, and I know the the I know why it's happening. They already have it's a, a reaction. It, they have a picture. They have a rea It's a reaction. Yeah. And they have a picture of what they're trying to achieve. They're just trying to show that you know oh there's this there's this machismo there's this uh, hyper masculinity this toxic masculinity where guys don't guys feel it's like beneath their dignity to do anything 
And we need to respond to that, right? So the response is, well, the Prophet ﷺ used to do all these things. When people understand that, oftentimes their context is, oh yeah, well, guys should be, you know, it's used as a justification for this egalitarian type of marriage or relationship where guys are doing all this thing. That, that is a wrong justification. That is not an accurate way to represent what the real message of the Messenger of Allah mm. was. Yeah, so I, I'm going to play off of that. It, it definitely is a reaction, right? You have, um, you know, Islam, Islam oppresses women. Islam does this to women. It subjugates women to the man and all this stuff. And then you're reactionary, pull out these hadiths and you're like, oh no, the Prophet did this, the Prophet did that. You know, the woman is treated like a princess and all this stuff. And it's, yeah. you know, you're, you're, you're both wrong. In the sense, no yep. one is being subjugated. Yep. Uh, the man has responsibilities as well. The woman has responsibilities. Yep. Um, it's like how do you how do you kind of capture control of that narrative, and then you kind of have to, um, you know, what am I looking for here? Kind of fix your worldview yeah, a little bit. The, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm, honestly, I I used to be that person. Okay, I used to throw out those hadith and be like, you know what, we gotta we gotta defend Islam against the attacks yeah you know of muslim islam oppresses women and this and that it's like this is the this is the ammunition that we have to work with yeah just throw it out there and you know uh because the two biggest attacks against islam historically for like the last 50 years have been um how islam treats women how islam deals with violence right like warfare and all that stuff anything we can throw out about peace anything we can throw out about women getting some kind of potential benefit we just throw it out whatever we have there and again like you said it doesn't create a balanced narrative so how do we rebalance that narrative yeah. it's to have a comprehensive understanding of what an islamic lifestyle is supposed to look like yeah. right so you go back and you you zoom the camera out and you say okay i'm looking at the prophet peace be upon him he's doing these things now let me zoom out how often is he doing these things mm -hmm. right um could he possibly be could he possibly have been doing this throughout his entire life no it can't be the case are other men doing the exact same thing no it's not the case is he warning other people that hey you should be doing something like this did he make it into a sunnah this is what you should be doing no it's not the case how do you balance it you look at all different aspects of islam of how people used to live what teachings of islam generally imply so what do they imply the prophet is responsible for uh, military activities he's responsible for economic activities for supporting his family all of that's taking place. So when you look at every single role that he plays, when you look at every role that was emphasized by him, it gives you this holistic understanding. And holistic understanding is the only way to understand Islam correctly. Mm -hmm. If you don't have it, you're not going to understand. You're going to misunderstand Islam. Yeah. And it, it, this idea of equality gets pushed so hardcore in our society. And what's funny, if you look at the Quran, yeah. it's not. Like every time you hear the word yeah, stone, it's mm. it's used a lot in a negative connotation so mm. Allah will bring two things and say they're not equal they're not equal they're not equal they're not equal these things you guys make these things equal they're not equal or you want to put this and this together how bad like are you even thinking about it yeah. every almost every example I can think of in the Quran it's never a good thing because equality is not what people strive for you want justice you want yes. what works for society not for one and one equals, you know, one exactly. equals one. But that's not how it works. And that's that's why the term equity is so much better. When it comes to gender equality, there's a, there's a good article by Khalid Beg, father of Sheikh Munib Beg. He talks about something about like gender equity, not equality. It's very interesting. So he basically makes this argument. It's a very good argument. He says the difference between equality and equity is that equity on both sides of the equation are going to balance out, but there's different yeah. things on both sides of the equation. 
So whatever you add on this side, that's a right, it's gonna be a responsibility on their side. You add a right on this side, there's gonna be a responsibility on their side. That's where justice comes in, right? And that's very important. So that concept of justice is more important than equality because full gender equality, the way that it's perceived, results in injustice. Mm -hmm. And people can't understand that because they don't have the foundation about what we talked about in the beginning about how men and women are different physically and they're different psychologically. They're different psychologically and you try to make them exactly the same across the board, they're equal, then you're gonna result in injustice. Right. And by men and women being different, we're talking about biological differences, right? That's, that's yeah, I'm just trying to be as clear cut because anyone can say I'm a man or a woman now. Okay. Uh, you know, like we're talking biological differences between men and women. And if anyone wants to argue against that, then why do you, why is it when you say I am now a woman, you're going to start taking hormones? Right. It, you know, so there, we all agree that there's some sort of biological distinction yes. on yes. the chromosomal, chromosomal yeah. level. Yeah. So, I mean, in Islam, there's no distinction between sex and gender. That's, right? yeah. And, and that's very important. I mean, it's, it's it's an obvious, but it needs to be pointed out nowadays. Yeah. Because now there's a difference between sex and gender. In Islam, there's been no difference between sex and gender. They're tied. They're, they're directly tied. Yeah. And gender is, not just, gender is not just a manifestation of masculinity or femininity. Or your gender, social reality. It, it's, it, it's not just a social construct. Yeah. It is directly tied with sex, or it's synonymous, or if it's slightly different, it's directly tied, can't be untied. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess I can... I can bring it back when you, you talk about the difference between men and women and uh, tie both the conversations you want atheism one of this in your experience have you found that when you deal with people who are having these doubts islamically or oh I'm, I'm an atheist now do you find it to be more men or women in your experience and maybe it's if it's men maybe it's because you speak to more men i don't know yeah uh hard to say but i mean in my experience it has been more men why do you think that is you know i would say that atheism in particular seems to affect people who are in the hard sciences and uh, more men tend to be inclined towards the hard sciences in Scandinavian countries when they try to go as equal as possible where did the men end up exactly in the stem fields where did the women end up nurturing fields exactly yeah. exactly so there's 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 hard evidence for that yeah 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah so uh, again um, it could be I mean women talk to me about all other issues so to say that it's because maybe they don't approach me uh, I hear that all the time. They're like, oh, well, that's you, you don't know because women just don't approach you. I'm like, well, let me just clarify, first of all. I, I get probably more appointments from women than I do from men. What are they kind of, what are they talking about? What's I mean, it's all, all sorts of questions, whether it's a basic fit question, mm -hmm. to it's a family issue, to it's a marital issue, mm -hmm. uh, everything across the board, even uh, aqidah issues, qadr, how to understand qadr, you know, all of that stuff. So it is across the board. Okay. Right? So I just want to clarify that because I keep getting people like, oh, well, you don't, you don't understand what women are going through because women don't come to you because you're not a woman. I'm like, you know what? That, that's, a, that's a narrative that people are pushing. That women need to go to women, for example, because um, men can't understand them. This narrative is, look, there's there's an aspect of truth to it, but it's like saying, you know what, you can't understand uh, what a drug de uh, a drug addict is going through because you you are not a drug addict. Therefore, you can't really offer much advice to someone. We need more uh, drug addicts who can help other people. Drug addict counselors. Yeah. Drug addict counselors, which is okay. I mean, I think ex understanding the experience of someone who's gone through that. There's some benefit to that. Empathize more. Empathize, yeah. I get that. But there's a knowledge aspect that's universal. 
That's like uh, women didn't come to the Prophet to ask him questions. And then people misquote this uh, hadith again about Aisha that you know some of them were shy. They would send her uh, you know cotton balls with like menstrual you know blood on it. So yeah, maybe. Wait, he what is what is that? Oh, no. so basically what happened was uh, some women they were shy to go and ask the Prophet directly certain things. Oh, okay. So they would they wanted to know when their menstruation is done. So they they would actually take a cotton ball with like their menstrual, you know, mm. fluid on it. And they would send it to Aisha and say like, hey, you know, can you check? Is it is it done for us? Right. And and she would respond back and be like, no, no, it's look, you still got some fluid. Wait till it's completely white or you see the whiteness or something. Mm -hmm. So they're like, see, they used to go to Aisha uh, for issues like that rather than the prophet. Because that's a little more intimate. It's a little bit more intimate, especially yeah. if you're going to send a cotton ball with, you know, <laughs> yeah. menstrual fluid on it. Yeah. Okay. That's like it makes sense. That's that in that category, I get it, and I, and I don't want women to you know come yeah. to me with cotton something balls. like that, you know, <laughs> cotton ball or something like that. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that they can't approach uh, someone who's knowledgeable about a subject, but just because they're a guy, they're not going to respond. That, that, yeah. uh, they, they, you know, you're not going to be able to feel. We don't deal with any field like that. You don't go to, you're like I need a I need a woman economic advisor because she cannot experience what it's like to be a woman who's going to invest her money. I don't hear that happening, right? It just doesn't happen. Uh, and it's not gonna, oh, well, all, all these uh, finance experts, they're all dominated by men. I mean, yeah, they are dominated by men. Does that mean you can be like, well, we need more women finance advisors? Maybe, maybe there's some benefit to that. But this idea of, well, we can't approach them and stuff like that, this is a huge problem. And this is part of the that conflict that I'm, I'm mentioning about this idea of, you know, we have this patriarchy, it's, uh, it's oppressing us. Mm -hmm that kind of reads into this idea of we shouldn't even approach a male scholar because he's going to give a biased interpretation yeah. or we need female scholars to inter reinterpret the Quran from a female lens or a yeah. female perspective not even not, all not, male a, fe panels, not a feminist all ma yeah, even ma all male panels and all that stuff so this stuff is very dangerous for our society because there's no there's no end to it right you're going to have first it's all male moving, yeah. yeah you know I, I there was an actual conference happening here in SoCal and they had like a few ladies on there mm. and this was posted on one of the feminist pages and like I'm really happy to see that they're finally including women in these panels. I see all the, the only thing is I just really wish they would start you know representing some of the non-hijabi Muslims right. it's, it's, and then it was like non-hijabi African Muslims and like yep. we need some like the gay representation who trans imams and I'm just like Where's Where does it end? end? Yeah. It's not going to end. And the, thing, the foundation of the argument is problematic. The, found, yeah. the foundation is built upon a notion that women, women are being purposely excluded from these places because they're women. Right? And, that, and, and, that, and that only for that reason, for no other reason. And that's a flawed logic. Right? And their solution is the solution is to prove this act, to prove that this accusation is false. The burden of proof is on you. And how do you prove it? You prove it by making a 100% 50-50 distribution across the board. Mm -hmm. And if you erred on the side of having more than 50% on women, we'd be okay with that. It's like affirmative action type thing. But if you erred on the other side, it means that you've not done a sufficient job. Mm -hmm. The problem is, what about full representation of all aspects of the community? If you really wanted to do that, we have 1%, I don't know, uh, 3% Malaysians, yeah. you know, 14% Palestinians, uh, you know, 40% Desi or somewhere. Are you going to go and break it down across the board to say equality? Or how do you know that you've reached maximum equality? Exactly. 
Exactly. How, yeah. how, how, can you, how can you prove that? Right? So you can never prove it, uh, nor can you, again, you're, you're reading the intentions or you're assuming the bad intentions of someone else. The bad intentions may exist. All right, it, in some capacities, but in most places, is it a bad intention? You have someone who you know has a very clear track record on uh, having women students. You know, like our school has more women students, like most schools. You find that across oh, you most find Islamic that ac- across yeah. the, uh, most Islamic center, most Islamic classes. There's more women students. They get full accommodation. There's no restrictions for them uh, in terms of their studying or their accessibility to teachers or whatever it is. You have someone with that track record and you go, no, no, we're going to apply the exact same accusation to you. Anytime we don't see a number of women speakers on a particular panel, you're automatically going to be flagged as you're just like everyone else. At the same level, you must be discriminated. And then someone comes out with internalized misogyny. Exactly. And then someone comes out with this list and they go, oh, look, I've made this list of women speakers across the country. You could have easily invited one of them. A lot of them are not actually qualified. That's one. One of them are not qualified. Two, maybe the ones who are qualified, their honorariums are through the roof, right? They don't think about the price because it's a commodity. They're a hot commodity now. That's it, right? So, I mean, you you have women who have $5,000 honorarium. Mm -hmm. uh, And what is their claim to fame? woman that they're woman all right so i'm, I'm not saying it's 5k a lot nowadays i thought that's like basic uh, for me that's i don't get it that much you know? <laughs> <laughs> i want 5k I just mean, go talk for a weekend for a lecture no for a lecture oh, no, not for a weekend for a lecture right oh, you're talking like hours I'm talking about for one lecture you should charge msa west bro what yeah. The heck? Yeah, yeah so so there's that and then the the, the third thing is look the thing is people who make these accusations they don't have management experience just think about look you're mentioning some, oh, they're in the, they're NorCal. Look, I have a small little program. I'm, I don't have much time to organize it. I just need some local people who have enough knowledge to go and talk about it. Now you want me to fly this person out. You want me to get them a hotel. You want me to connect with them. I mean, just think about what burden it is. Like, well, if Take them away from family. Away from family. All that stuff. <laughs> maybe they don't want to come. Yeah, yeah, maybe they don't want to come. Maybe they're not interested. Maybe that's not their topic of specialization. They're like, no, no, you, you, you must have had a bias because we gave you some opportunities. This whole uh, narrative is becoming widespread, but it's it's very toxic. It's very very dangerous, and it's going to prevent people from doing organize like organizing good <clears throat> programs because now you're just getting nonstop pushback. It's hard enough to get people to organize any programs. Now you'd be like, oh, yo, you're the guy who wants to put some time and effort away for on the side to go and organize a program for the Muslim community. Well, guess what? We'll put some red tape on it. Yeah. Like, great thanks a lot you know like as if and i was funny that. if you talk to some of the women who get invited like i said the yafa she was giving us an example of this and she's saying so she gets invited out she's very articulate mashallah she, she has a base and uh, level of knowledge and she says sometimes she feels very tokenized you yeah. like i'm being invited why am i being invited because i'm a woman like that's the only I, and I, she's like i can tell when they're inviting me for that reason it's like and, the token african-american it yeah. bothers them so much yeah, when, they, you know they know they're not no one's stupid no yeah. one knows when you show up at a panel and you're the only woman it's like oh, i wonder exactly <laughs> no one wants that no one wants to yeah. people want to be judged on their merit exactly that that's that's the absolutely you know when, when they when ingrid madsen dr ingrid madsen became president of isna there was discussion I was going through, and like a lot of people were like, "We know exactly why they, she may be the most qualified person for that position, but we know why that particular group put her in charge because they just wanted to, they just wanted to show, hey, look, we put a woman in charge, right? And it's, it's like it's that tokenism, tokenizing, that's very problematic. Yeah, you know? you're like people know. Uh, one thing I wanted to touch on is, um, I think a lot of the people who purport these. Um, narratives with themselves i think they're not all 
like they you're talking about a little bit about that spiritual agitation you were facing mm-hmm. these people have it on like Big turned time. up oh, yeah. to 10 oh yeah um and, and they're, they're the loud voices though well that's why nice. and that, it's not i don't think it's them speaking mm-hmm. really it's whatever's inside of them and it's this anger and it's this angst and it's this um a, lo- a lot of it is yeah you know, i've gone to the depths and back <laughs> on facebook <laughs> groups and stuff and you see a lot of these personalities jump around different facebook groups and they may share more intimate things on different groups and a lot of it is you know, this happened to me so-and-so when I was growing up or I was living here and this happened to me and I'm seeing this doctor, I have PTSD and all this stuff and you're like, whoa, this person is, you know, they're having some real big issues and they blame it on, you know, patriarchy, Mm. right? And that's, that's... They want to know it. They want, you got to put the blame somewhere. Yeah, Yeah, sometimes I think they do need a little bit of like, got to deal with them a little bit with empathy with love and compassion because you can hit them with the logical arguments all day but mm. i feel like they're just i mean they're human beings they're human beings by right? Something, right yeah. yeah like what's her name the the egyptian one the red-haired one you know what i'm talking about big feminist egyptian lady oh i think i know who you're talking you know what I'm about, talking about? I mean, yeah but I, the name doesn't come across my she's head. on social media Oh, she's really big. So I just keep forgetting all their names today. But uh, I know the academics. Yeah. Know, she's apparent. She's academic, I think. Fatima Mernisi. No. Okay. No, no. But yeah, her thing was, I think she she was like, during the Egyptian protest, she was like captured by the police and she was like mm. molested or something. And ever since then, it's like you know, screw the patriarchy, and she just drops f bombs all over the all over social. Oh, that's okay. like her thing. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. I mean, um, look, that's this, look. This happens to men. Uh, when when uh, Imam Anwar was captured and he was tortured, I mean, he came out a different person. Declaring Anwar Aulaki. Okay, Triple A, Triple A, Triple A. Okay, okay. So he's like, he comes out. He's been tortured, you know, in prison. He comes out. and He's declaring war on America, and he's, he's coming up. Obviously, what happened to him is not justified at all. But at the same time, it's like he came out with a really radical narrative. Yeah. So it's it happens to men and women both when they're going through some traumatic experience. It's that's part of life. That's the challenge, and that's the test that people have. You know, so. Uh, I'll help us. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean. But yeah, like you said, we got we got to have a human element. We got to try to understand what they're going through without justifying what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Right. So approach yeah. them and say, look, I understand what you're going through. It's very challenging. It's difficult, and I can uh, I can sympathize slash empathize with you. You know, in some level, but at the same time, like there's a line that needs to be drawn. You shouldn't go beyond this and start saying things and you know preaching things that are detrimental to the muslim community what do you suggest for the muslim male right specifically towards men right you're you're dealing with these different narratives Mm. um and you're trying to reorient yourself you know before you're even getting married this is for yourself as a human being as a person who's trying to function in this society um what do you suggest for someone like that i mean i know for you you know you, you you seem to kind of even before you kind of went in you know uh, studying islam you kind of you you already had the idea of you know my intellect is is the most important thing mm. to me and that's what i'm going to judge things by i'm going to read i'm going to educate myself mm. and that's good you read the right books mm. and you have a little bit of sincerity allah will guide you mm. but someone who's completely lost mm. right you know wh- where where does someone like that where do you start you know yeah i mean you start always by asking allah for help Right. Uh, you start and ask Allah for balance. Ask Allah for guidance to to see what is right and wrong when you're mm-hmm. confused. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is you have to seek knowledge. There's no other way around this than to seek knowledge. So, like you said, there's the trend that 
everything is becoming very emotion based. Yeah. So if it's becoming emotion based, that's not the way in which you make this important decisions in your life about anything. You have to research it. You have to you have to think through it. When you're thinking about some political policy, you read some research on it and you try to understand. Okay, well, what are the viewpoints here? Mm-hmm. Same thing when it comes to someone who's confused about the role of males and females in society. Uh, where do you draw the line between? Uh, what is socially constructed masculinity versus what is uh, toxic versus healthy masculinity? Mm-hmm. You you need to start having conversations with people who are well uh, well versed. So we probably this. need like some good role models in you your need, life. Need some role models. You need to do some reading. You need to do uh, you know just self improvement, and you will start to arrive at a balanced kind of fitra fitra we like a natural perspective of where you should be yeah and i think that's that's where people should start yeah you know? i think that's that's yeah you definitely easier said than done i feel I, like nowadays I, it's I know. you know even through college i feel like they try to prolong that um you know of being like a child you know the childhood phase is being mm-hmm. prolonged even through college I mean, teen, teenage uh, teen the idea of a teen is a construction, right? It's a yeah. social construction that is the 20th century phenomenon. Yeah. So So to for someone to, you, you know, you have to be willing to burden yourself with some responsibility yeah. to, to, to grow as a person. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, on that note, I mean, that's, that's part of what's contributing to the problem is that people are growing up with very little responsibility. You know, uh, at home, they have very little, ch- few chores, a uh, few things to do, and then when they go to school, you know they're in a lovely environment. But school's really easy. High school is is ridiculously. High school's easy. It's a joke. College is actually quite easy, uh, depending on which one you're at. But most of them are. They look at the, you look at the trajectory, the amount of hours that students have studied, forty years ago, even in Ivy League schools, is half. It's today is half of what it used to be in the past. So wow. standards have dropped completely, uh, and. Uh, schools are like uh, they say. Sc- they say universities are like uh, those vacation places. Those like those luxury resorts, basically. Yeah, resort. Yeah. And that's what kind of what it looks like. It's almost like a resort. It yeah. it's, it's looks awesome, right? So if that's going to be your environment, what's going to happen? You your mentality, you're not going to learn very much responsibility. Yes. You know, you're living in a dorm, and uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe you make your bed. Maybe you don't. Maybe you you, <laughs> you learn how to clean your clothes or something mm-hmm. like that. But most of the students don't cook. Would you like sugar, Sheikh? Uh, yeah, sugar, please. I think the first time I did laundry was in college. Yeah, I'm not proud of it, but <laughs> <laughs> me too. Yeah, the first me, time, yeah, me, first time I did laundry, I bought two de, uh, two um, what's it called? Not detergent, but the other softeners. One. Yeah, I bought two fabric softeners, <laughs> and I called my mom. And she's like. She's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm doing laundry. She's like, you bought two fabric softeners. I'm like, yeah, they smell nice. She's like, this is not going to work. <laughs> and, and it's, it's unfortunate because we, and it's like my kids, or inshallah, like, uh, my, my son at least, uh, I don't, I, I want to give him chores and all that. And I, I'm like, ah, I never had chores. I, I made it out okay. Like, mm. No, nah, but <laughs> no, this, it's going to make this, a big difference. This idea of, you know, I made it out okay and I survived. I hear this all the time, yeah. but this, this is not a good narrative. Yeah. And, the, and the thing is, that if you just look back sure. and say, if you look at the clear-cut research on what kind of being spoiled, uh, how it leads to a certain type of entitlement and what effect it has in your life, mm-hmm. that whole narrative needs to change. Yes. You know, when, when I was in India, I had to wash my clothes by hand. 
Mm. I, I had no idea what I was doing, right? I didn't know. But hand on the little rafter thing? Yeah, like that. Yeah. You have to wash it on there, and then you have to. So I didn't know what, how to dry. I didn't know how to squeeze my clothes. So mm. I remember I had watched one of the Batman movies where, like, uh, Robin is, like, squeezing clothes or something like that. I'm like, yeah, okay, you know, I can try to squeeze these clothes. And I don't know how much you're supposed to squeeze. So I, I thought I'd squeezed enough. And it was winter, and I put my towel oh, no. only one. I put it up there, and it's just not drying. And it starts smelling, and I'm just like, what the heck is going on? And finally, I asked one of my friends for help. I, I didn't like to ask people for help. Finally, asked him for help. He's like, what the heck are you doing? Like, you don't even know how to squeeze clothes. I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> I, don't I barely know how to use a washing machine, yeah. let alone squeezing clothes. So I had like one of my friends actually wash my underwear for me, you know, and uh, it was a waste of money. And uh, I'll never forget. I, I love the guy. I, I'm indebted to that guy for the rest of my life, you know. Uh, but I didn't even know how to wash my own underwear, right? Yeah. And then when you learn it, you start to realize, man, this is how people, this is how 80% of the world's population lives, you know. And then you come back, and what you do is when you when you experience a washing machine, like I had a, in Egypt, I had a washing machine from the 1960s. It just like swirls the clothes around. It doesn't really oh, yeah, do yeah, much. Yeah. And, then, and then you yeah. dry them, you know, on a rack. Yeah. Yep. It, you you appreciate that piece of junk, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. because you had something even less than that. Yep. And that appreciation and that experience is life changing, especially especially for for men. Uh, I think it's it's really important because some ideas of masculinity that we're talking about, you know, masculinity was different before we had all this technology mm -hmm. there was a different role for men and that role is shifting primarily because of the change in technology it's yeah. not just change of philosophy it's a change of technology entitlement entitlement yeah. all that stuff you know yeah. so if we didn't have the technology the gender roles would have been a lot more different and divided than they are today yeah. and i think a lot of the tech we're referring to it's not the most obvious thing we're not talking about iphones computers cameras mm. there's a lot of development that's going on around you the, the whole the whole tech development that allows you to be able to go to the grocery store and buy a steak mm -hmm. right there's a whole tech you know field behind behind that so you know your role as a you know a hunter gatherer you know <laughs> that innate you know role is no longer there so how do you still act on you know that male energy you know like i know uh, there's a lot there's a huge muslim population here in socal you know they're a lot into uh, martial arts yes right uh, i've heard you know imam is it i think it's dawood walid not dawood walid yeah 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 yeah, yeah. 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 and he also takes people out on like excursions for yep. days they yep. go hunting with bows and arrows and, and they live in the wilderness and eat berries you know that's you know i, I think that's that's almost like, you know, we need to have our own version of Boy Scouts, mm. right? Yeah. That's, or maybe just join Boy Scouts. <laughs> That's not, well, not anymore. Now with the, now with oh, the, whole, the shift, to, there was that whole debate about the LGBT yeah, the, and gay they didn't look the gay and guy all in. that stuff. And there, yeah, there's, there was a lot of uh, oh. politics within Boy Scouts. I mean, it's still, it's still good. Do they let girls in now? So there was the whole issue of that too. So oh. yeah, it's, it's shifting over. There, there's a big, it's like a battleground basically. Yeah. Uh, Boy Scouts is a is a battleground right now. Okay, never mind. But there's there's still benefit in what they do. <laughs> so, I just wanted to throw that out there. Okay. Yeah, yeah kind of like a like a like a an Islamic version of a Boy Scouts. Right? Yeah, I feel like MCA I think has one in Bay Area. Mm. They'll see them dressed up on Jamaa and they'd come come into the masjid all Boy Scouts. Yeah, we, so we, I mean in our masjid we have a Girl Scouts. Okay. You know, I don't yeah. know why there's no Boy Scouts, but there's Girl Scouts. But boys, yeah, boys definitely need it. I yeah. mean. I mean, there is a reason why, like, as as men, we're not doing that well nowadays. They say, you know, we're we're graduating 
not as much as women where you know our grades are not as good uh gen- you know we highest le- highest suicide rate mm-hmm. highest uh incarceration rate mm-hmm. most likely to commit a felony a crime most likely to be involved in aggravated assault like you know all the stuff is not just happening because you're a man you know you th- th- there's well part I mean, of it is because you're a man yeah i mean there, there's that male energy that if you don't mm-hmm know how to channel it, control it, nurture it, it can turn into aggression. That's That's probably why sports became such a big thing, if you think about it. It's an emotional outlet. It's a way for me to run as fast as I can, as hard as I can, in these directions, and it's okay. It's accepted by society. Yep, yep. And there's there's research on that, like the testosterone, you know, uh, that men have. Like, when when there's some sense of achievement, like when they win a competition or something like that, they get a hit of dopamine because of the fact that they're men and they have a different sense of achievement, you know, in terms of that competition, that energy that they have. So you're like, yeah. what you're saying is energy, if it's not manifested in the right direction, it's going to be manifested in the wrong direction. Yeah. That's absolutely right. Yeah, I think, and when you look at it, I feel like when you look at it on like a, like a probability graph, what are they called? Bell graph? Like, yeah, yeah, a bell graph. Um, yeah, we, we occupy the extremes, Mm. You're either like, you know, a lot of men are hyper successful mm. and a lot of men are like yeah, hyper troublemakers. Mm. Right. So that's not you don't want to as a gender, you don't want to be. It's an inverted bell curve. It should it, be the other inver- way around. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So. so that's the and, and that's. Yeah, yeah, that, that, women talk about equality, but they don't want equality on the troublemaker end. They want equality at that little one percent. The one percent end. Whereas, like, even as a guy, you're like, I'm probably never gonna be. You know, the, <laughs> I'm not there either. The CEO of Fortune 500 company. That's probably just not not gonna happen. Right. You know, but but at the same time, um, you know, as a as a man, you you do have these male tendencies, male energies, male aggression, and as like a leader of a home, like you have to figure out a way to deal with that mm-hmm. because. Um, that that you know you you're responsible for your family, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's one of the reasons why you know men tend to work more than women. You know, yeah. There's, yeah. there's that that one of the ar- argument about the wage gap, mm-hmm. right, between men and women. You know, when I first heard that, I was just like, I was appalled. I was like, oh, this is this is horrible. You know, this is proof that you know there is this systematic oppression that does exist. And then uh, when I looked it up, I started researching a little bit more. I'm like, wait a minute. This data is completely skewed. It's tot- It's it was a complete. Uh, what's the right term? It's like not only misrepresentation. It's like uh, it's misleading data. There you go. Yeah. The, the data. The data was aggregate uh, take of, home salary. Not of everybody. Not of everyone. So basically, the assumption, the way that it's presented, is okay. A woman engineer and a man engineer in the exact same field, working the exact same hours. One makes you know sixty thousand, and one makes forty thousand. Like, but that's not that's not what the data says. The data says, but this guy is actually working 60 hours and she's working 40 hours. So because they're working more, the aggregate take-home salary. Of course, it's more. Of course, it's going to be more. Yeah. So I mean, if you don't, so that is really that's really misleading. But it's even misleading to the point where the first time I heard it, I was just like, you know what? Well, when Obama goes up there and really, says it, that you know, you believe it. That's that, <laughs> well, what bothers me more is I heard this at a. Uh, Islamic organization no. banquet. What the heck? Okay, and uh, there was a comedian presenting. Oh, I mentioned him. I don't have a problem. It was Jeremy McClellan. I think he's. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's, he's nice. is he Muslim? He's no, not, no, 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 he's not even Muslim. Catholic. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's, oh. a, he's a nice guy and stuff, but he's presenting this information and and everyone's clapping and laughing at it. And I'm just like, okay. And all Muslim leaders are there, and everyone swallows it. I even swallowed. I went home, and I'm like, 
for a few months I didn't realize it you and then all of a sudden it. I started I didn't question it I'm like yeah it must be the case and, and even that kind of misleading information affects the way in which I'm going to be teaching people right and then when I look it up I was just so frustrated I'm like you, yeah. you I was lied to basically this is a lie if it's if, if you look at the entire thing, it's straight up propaganda, and it's, it's no better than a Fox News lie. It's not right? just that. It's also taking to aggregate of every working person, which, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of women occupy. Teachers. Uh, and they don't make as much as an engineer, straight up. Right. Yeah. Right. Health, uh, yeah, healthcare, healthcare providers. Right. Not doctors, but right. like bedside nurses, that kind of thing. Right. They're definitely not going to pay paid as much. Yeah. Exactly. So what so, bothers me is when, when Muslim leaders are going to quote this stuff, yeah. right? And then when Muslim individuals who are confused, like college students or high school students, they're, they're going to swallow this and it's going to affect their entire worldview. Yeah. And they don't even know until maybe 10 years later that their whole worldview has been affected by false, you know, misleading data. Mm -hmm. And they, they built their entire worldview on a lie. And they may have a family now absolutely and now they're running into issues right exactly. yeah and this i mean this data actually the reason if they present it as it is and it, this is why you get people being pushed at uh women they don't want them to quit their careers or whatnot because they're saying the woman why are they not working as many hours as the man because mm -hmm. she has to go back home to her kid mm -hmm. if and this and i think vox they actually like broke it down so mm -hmm. they did try and show why it exists mm. And essentially, it's because a woman goes and takes care of her family more than the man. The that's man's it. staying more hours. That's like, yeah, the man who, who I, I'm still trying to find a guy who's like, I love work. 60 hours a week. That's my thing. Yeah. <laughs> I love corporate America. I love going in more hours, the better. Yeah. It's like, no, no one wants to do nope. that. Nope. I, I don't understand this. Even mentality. the most hardworking culture, I mean, Japanese, for example, yeah. they're overworked. Suicide rate is extremely high. Even when you look at their society, the people are not saying that we enjoy working. That's why we work a lot. The expectation is that we're forced to. If we don't, you're the first person who's leaving that company. Everyone else is looking around at you like, oh, man, dude, this guy, he's only been here three years and he's leaving before the guy who's been here for 10 years. So it, there's there's this pressure that's there. People, who, like you're saying, people who think that you know men enjoy working all these long hours, I don't think that's the case. It's definitely not the case. Yeah. Definitely not. We definitely, I mean, I know I know my purpose working. <laughs> you know, like you, you work to provide. That's you it. know, that's yeah. that's... Uh, you know, you may not, you don't have to be super passionate and love your work, but you have to be comfortable with it enough to yeah. provide a halal means to your family, which yeah. is your end goal as a male. Yeah. Um, and well, that's another, that's another huge topic that you just reminded me of is that this idea of males being the earners. That's um, a lot of people are, a lot of men are not getting jobs. What and, do you like? Uh, just they're, they're not, not like not college degrees, or just no, no. We call after college. They're they they don't know, they don't know what they want to do in life. They're sitting around for five years, ten years. They're not working. I get cases like this all the time. So what do they do? They just sit at home play games. They, yeah, they're sitting at home playing games. Uh, parents living off of their parents, um, saying that they want to figure out what they want to do, or they want to become like a social entrepreneur or whatever, and they want to start like life a coach. little life coach, life couch, Li yeah, <laughs> <laughs> life couch. I mean, I, I think that Instagram the, the concept yeah. of life coach is a good concept, but this is like a default of, oh, I'm starting my own business. I'm going to become a life coach. I'm, I'm going to be a YouTuber. I'm yeah. going to somehow figure out like this little niche where I don't have to work much. And, exactly. you know, so th this is becoming very, very common. And Thank you, Gary V. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what's happening is people are getting married and women are coming to me or Muslim women are coming to me on a regular basis and saying, this guy doesn't want to work. And I said, what does he do? Either he sits around, plays games, and his parents support him, or he's like, "Oh, I'm starting my own business, and I'm exploring ideas, and I'm coming up with, you know, the next big idea." And 
they're like, I can't live with this guy. And a lot of women end up getting divorced. And they have a very, they have a valid grounds for divorce. Islamically, if the guy's not going to provide for them. Yeah. Then it's, right? it's really sad. So, so this is a huge problem. And, and it's uh, partly uh, because of like this defining of masculine. If, if men have a clear cut understanding that their role is the provider. Well, you better get your butt out there and provide, right? Yeah. If you want to get married, I, I want to get married, you know, obviously guys, like, I want to have sex and, you know, this and that. Okay, we get all that. But you, it's like one dimension that's ex- of like exa- a multi, exactly. you know, that's... Uh, exa- but, but, you know, you want to do that, all that, good. But you got to do your role too. This is your role. Get out there and provide. Yeah, it's, you know, that's part of the society we live in though, right? Like, um, you know, maybe as a male in a traditional society, that was like, you know, maybe you could say the reward of your hard work. You know, you mm. get married, this is your family now, and you can enjoy this aspect of life. Mm. But if you could just go enjoy that and not have any of the responsibility, birth control, I'm not saying birth control is haram, I'm saying because it exists, there's yeah. no there's no consequence of someone yeah. getting pregnant. And now if someone does get pregnant, you don't have to be responsible for it because you can just abort. abort. abort yeah. And there's a case now where the guy doesn't want the kid and the woman wants it. And the court is saying, okay, because he doesn't want, he doesn't have to provide child support. Oh, interesting. Which is, from our point of view, that's ridiculous. That's uh, that's not Islamic of at all. Course, yeah. If it's your kid, you provide you Absolutely. provide uh, uh, compensation. So, yeah, I mean, we're hitting this ridiculous point. <laughs> it's got to be a tipping point. I don't know. I, I'm I've, I'm predicting with my no knowledge, right? <laughs> Twenty years from now, there's either going to be a crazy suicide rate. Mm. or a religious renaissance one or the other like people cannot continue on this they're going to be sold this lie of dunya dunya sex whatever money career maybe even not even 20 10 years from now Mm -hmm. we'll hit the point where like you know what that was all a complete lie and i'm empty inside so they either start killing themselves off or finding religion one one or the other i don't know where else we can go from here the suicide rate in western countries is up yeah, yeah, I mean, that, yeah that's, that's Seattle, where everyone has as much money as you could possibly right. get, the least church attendance with the highest PhD per capita rate. Yeah, kill themselves off more than everybody else. Yeah. Weather might contribute, but no. everything else. Yeah, uh, yeah I think we are at that tipping point. It's happening now. Maybe uh, with the conservative, the yeah. conservative right. Yeah, and, um, I, and I agree. It's gonna be one. It's gonna be one of two options. Yeah, you know, because even this uh, new age spirituality alternatives that people are going to, that's not sufficient yeah. for most people. Right. Yeah. So it's going to be one of these meditation, two. quiet time. Write yeah. down ten things you're thankful for. Yes, exactly. I feel better. <laughs> I, I, I said this on another podcast, but I'll tell it to you. I had a guy who was seeing a, like a therapist for like a addiction he was he was dealing with, and the therapist told him, "You need to sit with yourself five times a day, and and, and, and just complete quietness, and reflect." And he's like, it, "It's been great." And it's like he's a Muslim guy, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, you know, like if, if you weren't getting that from your prayers and that was yeah. uh, you've been cheated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting your religion from a perennialist. That is bad news. Um, yeah, man, these things pop, yeah. and you see it everywhere. I and mean, we talking about those uh, career generals. So I work with a lot of orthopedic surgeons in my career. Mm. I want you to imagine what gender you think ninety nine point nine 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 percent of orthopedic surgeons are. What mm-hmm. gender do you think they are? Uh, I think they identify as men. They they identify as cis men. Yes, cis men. <laughs> cis men. <laughs> he, me, whatever. I don't know the genders. Uh, yeah, of course. Why is that though? I mean, can't a woman be an orthopedic surgeon? No, man. These guys are breaking. It is. It's like they're doing yard work. Mm. And you watch these guys. They come like they go crack. Come over here, smack as hard as they possibly can with a hammer. And they are hitting certain implants into the body, smacking them out. So like, what am I watching? Is this surgery or is this like construction work? <laughs> wow. 
Yeah, but they just murder. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's just more natural. The men incline towards it. And it also takes way more time to specialize in these things. The women want to start a family, you know, naturally. So they don't go in as deep into these things, right? Yeah. They might go into psychology. Psych- they may become a psychiatrist. Mm. Just as much specialization, but in a less physical field. I wonder why. When the opportunities are open yeah. to both. Yeah. I'm a civil engineer. I've spent a lot of time in the, fi- the construction field. Mm. I've seen one woman in my five years. My five years in in the industry, I have seen one woman as a construction worker, mm. uh, and that's it. Yeah, and it's not like we we definitely do need construction workers, yeah. but that's you know. Well, I mean, the thing is, uh, that narrative, that idea, that concept is just it's anathema to people. It's like you you cannot say that the inequ- the inequality in the workforce is because of a natural inclination. But that's what that that's what it is. Yeah. But you can't say it. If you say it, then you're like, you know what? Oh, that means that you know, uh, women are not inclining towards STEM fields, or they're not inclining towards something else. That's like against the philosophy that is prevalent today. So, perfect. Uh, president of Harvard, a few years back, about ten years ago, he was giving a speech, and he mentioned uh, a statement where he goes, you know. Uh, the reason why there's so many men in STEM fields and not women is because men tend to incline towards STEM fields. He got booed. He got <laughs> booed in the audience. Uh, a MIT woman professor, she walked out. She's like, I'm appalled. It became a big news article and this and that. She goes, look, I'm in the field. Like, so, so somehow, like, the exception yeah. proves that, you know, all of a sudden it should be somehow mixed. The thing is, the data on this is so clear. The research on it is very clear. But still, there's a underlying ideology. It's an ideology, and that's what people need to understand. The ideology takes precedence over whatever research is going to show. The same thing when it comes to you know whole gender, uh, different genders, and you know non-binary gender and all that. It doesn't matter what the research shows. It's the ideology. The, the ideology will from. trump everything else. Yeah, right? and that's what's happening. You know, California school system with the gender curriculum and all of that stuff. It doesn't matter if people are like, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I know there was a seminar a few weeks ago. Uh, sure. Yeah. So what did they pass? They passed a bill. So they pa- yeah, they passed a bill that there's basically there's going to be a, a new gender curriculum uh, inside California schools that's going to start at the age of kindergarten. No, pre-K. Actually. Wait, what? Pre-K? Pre-K. No. Pre-K. You're not even talking about cooties. No, no, and no. pre-K. <laughs> Are you serious? Yes. So pre-K. Okay. Oh and my god. The gen- the, the, I, you can see which books are pre-K, which books are K, which books are you know middle school, elementary school. So the kindergarten books are basically like, just like a book about a crayon. A crayon. The crayon is a pretty KK level. It's a crayon, and the crayon is blue. Okay, it's got the cray, you know, the Crayola wrapped around it, right? Yeah. But on the inside, it's actually red. And people keep thinking that it's blue, but it's actually red on the inside, right? And then wow. they go and they present this whole thing, and they go see. The real identity of this crayon was actually red, and you guys mistook it. And there was this pressure that was being put on there, and there was another crayon that was a mean crayon that was trying to push it on there, and books like that. And there's a ton of books, entire curriculum, and this is mandated to be read. Number one, number two, parents are not going to be informed that their kids are going to be exposed to these books. What do you like? What? Back when I was in school, I had to sign like a waiver to for the sex ed. Yeah, not anymore. That's done. Forget sex ed. So gender ed is not something that you can just get waived, right? Ah. You have to. You, you can go and file a complaint, maybe or maybe not. They'll let you out of uh, elementary school, but once you hit middle school, there's no there's no waivers. They're not going to inform you. Uh, it the whole the whole thing has just changed. 
So we're not only talking about transgender, right? That you know, uh, they have stories like, oh, this is look, this is Bobby, this is Mike, this is Jane, right? And then Jane is like a guy dressed up like a guy, but it's Jane. So they they have the trans part of things, but they have something beyond that. In beyond gender, kindergarten. So they're like, you know what? You know, you this this straight up straight up ideology says you. Some people are male. They show males. Some people are female. Some people are both. They show both. Some people are neither. They show neither. And they go, and you should respect all of your friends who define with different pronouns. So the pronouns of uh, Z, pronoun of tree, like tree is a pronoun, for example. So now when you're referring to Bobby, if you say, you know, a, uh, me and Bobby, we went to the playground and uh, tree did XYZ. Tree went on the slide. You can't say he went on the slide. You can't say she went on the slide because he defines as tree. You have to say tree went on the slide. What's, how do you spell tree? T-R-E-E, like a tree. Tree? What's it stand for? It stands for someone is some, within the non-binary category. Okay. Non-binary Does meaning not Z? male, not male. Like Z is one option. Z and tree are like interchangeable. Okay, okay. Yeah. I didn't even know about this. Yeah, yeah. So it, oh and, and not only that's in the kindergarten curriculum, and it goes, and there's so many more genders than this. Mm-hmm. And more genders can be invented, and you can come up with any gender you want. So you can come up with any gender you want, and you have to be identified that way. And now, if a woman, if, if someone doesn't identify a child like that or a kid like that in class, discrimination case. Very open to discrimination. So that's the curriculum. Now, the thing is, most people are not down with that. Most people are I feel not like, down yeah, with that. Most people are at least sensible enough to say, I, I at least want to be informed. Yeah. For for do whatever you want, but inform me. Forget the parents. Most educators are not down with this, right? But they don't do anything. They're not going to say anything. Why? Because they know it's an ideology that's so powerful. They speak out, they're going to get shut down, right? So that that's why I'm saying the ideology is not even in line with what people think, what they believe. Nor is it in line with scientific research. Nor is it. There's no basis. There's no scientific backing for this. But it's the ideology that's been pushed. This is like the new medieval, uh, a medieval church. You know, it was just an ideology not based on anything, mm. and then it collapsed in on itself eventually. That's, that's what they, they they say. The university is the new church. You know, so, oh and the God. professors are the new clergy. Yeah, so. Latif. Oh my goodness! You'd think this thing would like die out because th- these guys are not reproducing. They're not. They don't have families, right? Mm. But it, they're doing it in such a way that they're cultivating a new generation that will have these ideas from birth. And exactly. Because parents are so disconnected from how their kids are being educated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, like you're saying, send them to public school. I got my free time. You can. They're gonna teach you, right? Good. Go get a job after that. Get married. Leave me by myself. And they're not realizing, especially the Muslim parents are not realizing. And because they're so, I mean. There's a fitra there that you you don't expect a system to corrupt your child. Mm. Like it's in you innately to say like I trust the government to take care of my kid when you when I'm sending you and I'm giving you a trust with mm. my child. Mm. So I get why and a lot of them are immigrant parents. They can't connect. They don't understand. They can't even help them with their homework. Like unfortunately, yeah. right? They can take care of them and do food and laundry, right? And hence, that's what they do. Hence having the educated uh, life. Hence so having. Much, I mean, yeah. seriously, it makes such a big difference yeah. today. Like if your kid goes out and comes home and says, mom, I need help with homework. And she's a quote unquote, stay at home mom. Oh yep. no, she yep. gave me a career. But she sees the stuff, she says, I can help you get around this and explain it to you in a way that makes sense without you just eating it up. Right, right. Is this just public school or even? Uh... It's public school, homeschooling curriculum, charter schools, anyone that is getting any money from the government. Only private schools are gonna be exempt for now. Okay, but with private schooling, they just have to get accredited 
Right, because to be accredited as a, a pri- yeah. sorry, 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 a, when a private school gets accredited, they... it's through a private organization. It's not through the government. Oh, really? Yeah, accreditation, WASC, Western Association of Schools and Colleges, all regional accreditation and national accreditation. Accreditation is not through the government. They are a private entity. I didn't know that. Yeah. So CIA. Islamic schools, like are you Muslim? guys accredited? Uh, CIU, no, not yet. Not yet. CIU, okay. no, no. Uh, but our Minar Academy, the private school, the Islamic school, they are accredited. Okay. Uh, for their uh, K through eight program, okay, is it's through, it's through yeah. a private, you know, IOK's uh, K through eight or K through twelve or yeah. whatever is also accredited. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So those ones they're untouched. It's only if you take government money. That's. It's only yeah. It's only if you're taking government money right now. And if you homeschool. Homeschool. You, if you're taking government money, which you usually you are with homeschooling, you get a little bit percentage of money mm-hmm. to invest. Uh, then you are liable, right? So yeah. what you do is, you know, the, the solution that I was told uh, is basically you take your kids, you put them on uh, the slides or you put them on the swings and you read to them the curriculum <laughs> while they're playing around. And you're like, you know, OK, check that. Check the curriculum. They, they, they read it. You know, it's sufficient. And that's it. You know, but what's going to happen is it's getting bad. It's Canada, UK. This has been Canada was the worst. Canada that, was that's the worst. what started started with Canada uh, and UK, basically, both of them almost simultaneously. Curriculum yeah. has been passed. But not only, see, uh, when you're at home, you're going to read the book to your kids. That's one thing. Over there, teacher is going to read it to your kids, going to put activities to emphasize that this is the case. Not only that, in Canada, they're bringing a drag queen, mm-hmm. okay? A drag queen is like, you know, someone who's dressing up, like cross-dressing, sometimes in like very weird, evil horns, all sorts of weird stuff. They're very demonic, bring, yeah. Very demonic. They're going to bring a drag queen to come in and read gender books to children to brainwash them. They do that here. Public libraries will They bring... do it in the public library here as well. Yeah, yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, yeah. There was like an issue. The guy wasn't wearing underwear, so he flashed all the kids when he sat down. Oh, man. But like yeah. the, the parents are bringing their kids. That's what I'm saying. You know, this, like, this, what, you, this, this is what are you what's doing, going. dude? Parents are bringing their kids, and they're just it's just normalized. And uh, the more people who are quiet about it, the more it becomes normalized. Yeah, subhan- that that one honestly, that one still that one surprises me because drag or cross dressing yep. or you know, man ladies as they're called yep. in some, you know, that was like the fringe yep. of like that was maybe like when I was in high school. Yep, it was it was complete it fringe. Was, yeah, but what's what's happening is a the concerted effort to normalize it. Subhanallah. Right? And people don't know the history of it too. I mean, it ex- it's existed. Yeah, Ismail Royer. You know Ismail Royer? Yes, Ismail Royer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he put like excerpts of a book on Twitter called like the last book is called like the last ball or mm. something, and it it it's oh, the it's not... the LGBTQ manifesto. Mm. And in it, they outline. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what I'm yeah. talking about? It's... Imam Siraj sent it to me. And I, I'm oh, Imam Siraj. Tr- I'm gonna okay. get in trouble just for mentioning his name. He's like. Look, man, leave me. I, I keep doing what you're doing, but like, yeah, we invade told, told us about it too in a summer. Oh, yeah, the yeah. bouncing Maybe, I think ball, the blue ball. I can't remember I, I, what it was. I, 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 can, I, can I, I have the book actually. It's called like reclaiming the ball or something like that. Yeah, and it's it's their agenda from the 1960s, saying like this is how we're gonna be mainstreamed and normalized in society. And they even say like, oh, uh, drag, you guys are a little fringe right now, so we'll get you guys later. Just stick with us. It's like almost, it's like paraphrased. I, 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 yeah, I mean, it's, it's incredible just yeah. how they they're pushing this, and yeah. and it's weird. Like of all the things to normalize, man. Like this, <laughs> this becoming it's called, it's called uh, after after the ball. After there you go. After uh, how, yeah, yeah. How America will accept exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think it's nineties or something like that. Yeah. Early nineties. It's, 90s, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. It's I mean, well planned out. Yeah, it's 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 well planned out. I, mean, I, I think, think Muslims we need to come up with something. You know, like a book. 
I'm working the on Quran. The Quran. <laughs> the Quran. The Quran. Alhamdulillah. That one has a good plan in it. I, I, I'm working. On, it's not a plan. I'm working on a policy document, uh, basically saying this is what Islam says about LGBT, and I'm presenting to the Fiqh Council in May. Hopefully, if it passes, my my concern is this: like, look, anyone who's over fifty, they're clear cut on this issue because yep. they grew up in a different, you know. Yeah. Anyone who's like under thirty, <clears throat> doesn't matter. Even the people who are very influenced by Islam, scholars, imams, whatever it is, they, they're they either so afraid or they have such a soft spot on this issue. Like They themselves have been affected to a point where it's, it's hard to even understand. So what I would like to see is I would like to see the, the elder generation of Muslims who are very clear-cut on this issue, give some, before, they, before they pass away, give some clear guidelines about... Look, Here's here's some statements from us that are just clear cut. Yeah. That you guys need to make sure you don't you don't waffle on this issue down the road, just because they happen to be a very powerful uh, minority. Right. Yeah. So that's what I'm hoping to do, and uh, I'm seeing that a lot of a lot of people are afraid. Man. Definitely. Very. Th- some Muslim, people lose Muslim, their jobs because Muslim, of this stuff. Muslim imams are afraid to even speak. People are afraid. To, I'm telling you, Muslim imams are afraid to speak. One of them told me what. One of them told me very, very prominent imam. He says, he says, um, he says, what you're doing, you're doing good work. Because I kind of have lectures on this issue and stuff. He's like, you keep up the work that you're doing because someone's got to do it. He says, to be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to speak about this because I get so much pushback wherever I am. Subhanallah. So you keep doing what you're doing, and I promise you, I'm gonna visit you when you're in jail. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Dang. thanks, man. This is like the the. the <laughs> <You know? laughs> The madkhalis of, of America <laughs> that want to talk about LGBT. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Subhanallah. Wow. That is... So, so that's, that's, that's where crazy. we're at right now. And I spoke to some other ones and they're like, you know, we can't be very... Cl- we can't be very open about it because it's just a really tough issue. I really, it's I, this I, and that. And I'm just like... I don't think you can be soft on this one. You'll get steamrolled. That's the... You're getting... We're getting steamrolled. We, we are. And not only that, the thing is, if no one talks about it, What's gonna happen to the next generation? Half the nation doesn't agree with this. So, so what happens? You know, there was there was a, a a leader of one of the Muslim organizations here in SoCal, really good brother. You know, I met him uh, in the masjid just a few weeks ago, and I'm okay. like, I'm like, by the way, your organization had recently sponsored uh, a a banquet where a lesbian Muslim actress who does who won like the award for best kissing scene, lesbian kissing scene or something was invited at that program and your organization sponsored it. And he's like, man, I had, I had no idea this and that. And I'm like, well, you better be careful next time, you know, because I just want to ask you, are you clear on this issue? He goes, man, look, I'm, I'm so, th- this guy's a convert too. He's like, I, I'm, before I was Muslim, I was clear on this issue. I'm so clear on this issue, but you know what? This issue is breaking my family apart. Subhanallah. I said, what do you mean? My kids come and my kids call me, my kids come and they say, you're a bigot, dad. You're a bigot, you're a homophobe, you're a transphobe. He said, these are my own kids. And they think I'm like some kind of backwards guy for thinking that something is wrong with homosexuality. He said, I can't, in my own kids, because they're being brainwashed every day. He said, it's breaking my family. This is what they think about me. So he goes, how am I supposed to deal with that? You know, and he's African-American. So he goes, you know, in the African-American community in LA, very prominent. So he's like, if I address this issue, I'm like, I get constant pushback. 
you're not with the minority. I'm surprised in the African-American community, they're very, people I you'd think reason, they're very clear-cut on people, this because they have some, a... No, you're looking at the young African-American community has, has bought into this idea of intersectionality, which is basically all minorities must team together. Oh, the critical race theory, all that good yeah, stuff. Yeah, okay. yeah. So this, if all minorities team together against this power structure, this is the only way it's going to work. So minorities oh. must support minorities. And that's what kind of pushed a lot of you know African Americans into like and the Muslims, progressive yeah. and and Muslims, yeah, same thing. Okay. So it's 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 very uh, becoming more and more prominent prominent in the African American community, in particular. Subhanallah, yeah. Subhanallah. So like the only solution is just make dua, homeschool <laughs> your kids. Make dua, and uh, again, there's 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 stuff that can be done. I mean, you tell me, this is an imam or someone who's well known, and his yeah. own kids are. Yeah. So don't send your kids to university. Teach them how to code at home. Start a drop shipping business. <laughs> no, what's, what's interesting, so you're mentioning how people are afraid to talk about it, but I, I have, when I talk to our friends about it, some of them are just apathetic. And I think a lot of Muslims, mm. it's not that they're pro-LGBT. They're just like, eh, it's not harm, you know the argument? If it's not harming you, they're doing it in the privacy of their own home. What do you care? Well, the guy in Wuhan, China, they were eating whatever in the privacy of their own home and now look how it's affecting the whole world <laughs> well, yeah, that's, I mean that's that's you know, one that's, part of it is like no actually private actions at home aren't quote unquote, yeah, they, yeah. everything affects society yeah. that's, that's a fact but in case you can't understand that that's your problem not the policy's problem the other thing is they also don't see that this is affecting curriculum being pushed out like no dude they're just a bunch yeah they're a bunch of uh, for some reason they represent 25 or was it now they hit 10% of representation on TV mm. and their goal is to hit 25 percent by 2025 and then you know push up from there yep. movie we'll invade just showed, showed oh, the statistic yeah. right yeah, yeah. i mean it's just ridiculous oh that's all they're doing they're just on tv like yeah that just brainwashing everybody who's watching exactly, yeah. everything yeah that's what that's what happens yeah i had a, I had a uh, it was my brother actually you know, i hate to call him out but you know he's not he's not that involved in islam but i mean just he's a normal muslim guy yeah. right so he's a big star wars fan so I'm like, hey, did you hear? Did you watch the uh, ending scene? The ending scene of lesbian kissing scene and all that. He's like, yeah. I'm like, S- what are your thoughts? He's older than me. I'm like, you're kind of a little bit older generation, somewhat. Mm. Uh, what were your thoughts? And he's just like, just a random, average Joe Muslim kind of guy. So I'm like, I wanted to know what he thought. And he's like, you don't know, you know, it's not a big deal. You know, I'm like, why is it not a big deal? He's like, yeah, it's the, you know, there was worse scenes in the past in Star Wars. It was kind of moving in that direction and this and that. And then I had read an article about this that explained it this way. And I'm like, interesting. So you're basically just parroting exactly what the article was to downplay, you know, why Disney put the scene in there, which is Disney is supposed to be like a kid's, you know, brand or whatever it is. And he's like, yeah, it's not such a big deal. So I'm, my point is that if they're affecting people who are even from that generation, Mm-hmm. With uh, l- every article that comes out, or every explanation that comes out, every little, <coughs> every little kissing scene, every, every little step type, in that direction, yeah, every step in that direction is to completely normalize it. And they're like, it's not a big deal. So what's what's gonna happen? His kids, you know, my nieces and nephews, uh, they're gonna they're gonna grow up watching this stuff. It's gonna be completely normalized. They'd be like, well, I don't understand. You know, if if uh, if it happens in Star Wars and if it happens in this movie, and it's it happens natural. In, it's natural. It's it, in the Arthur cartoon it's now. In the, you know, it's in the Animal Kingdom. Oh, yeah, Dolphins. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> whatever. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And the arguments they sound they sound nice, right? They they sound well packed. It's natural. You gonna tell me someone shouldn't act on something natural? I say, okay, look it. This is one uh, one teacher put it. He's very into animal. He said, look. Uh, I, there's a guy, he's, he has a family and they wanted to have a kid. So the, the wife, so the wife, they, they conceive a child and what's the wife do? Murders the husband, cannibalizes him, eats him up. The police come. She says, 
This is natural. This is completely natural. Black widows do this Black all widows. the time. Pray mantis <laughs> exactly. all the time. Exactly. Natural. How yep. are you going to accuse me? Another man, he goes, he uh, he wants to marry some woman. She's already married. Murders her. Murders all her. Uh, sorry, murders the husband. Murders all the kids and makes has babies with him. They come in. Natural. Lions do this all the time. Bears, he goes, you know, can you have an example after example? Exactly. Neglect the kids, leave them. Exactly. I'm a bear. What's wrong? <laughs> I mean, we exactly. can the, the nat, this whole nature thing. It seems so well packaged. It seems so innocent, but yeah. these arguments never hold up. You yeah, just have to look at example. I mean, the Quran is always telling you look around you, look around you, because you're gonna have counterexamples to all this nonsense yeah. if you actually reflect on these yeah. things. Yeah. And they're face, they're fake examples, anyways, yeah. because even the idea of gauging and all that stuff—that's yeah. all. It was all a hoax. Yes. You know, so even the basis of ev- everything that's being claimed, it's a false basis. Yeah. So suicide want, rate or you know but religious renaissance <laughs> I want to actually touch touch on the Star Wars yeah. uh, you know uh, Sheikh Abdul Hakim Murad yes so he had a, he actually had a little tidbit about Star Wars and masculinity hmm. so he's saying you know in the old movies essentially you know you have the Jedi right they have they're, they're trained since they're children and they have to master the f- I, I've never watched Star Wars by the way so I mean <laughs> I'm just speaking from what I heard <laughs> right? Right? Article. article that you had, yeah. <laughs> yeah you know a very inexperienced but I did watch I watched the this the the Disney reboots or the the new ones. Oh, yeah, okay. so I didn't watch one, the old two school. And three. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's saying, you know, in the new movies, you know, Ray, the the woman character, the girl character, she just picks up a lightsaber and all of a sudden, she's amazing, mm-hmm. right? She doesn't she doesn't go through the process of having to learn, you know, the Force or mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And the male character is the one who's like completely unsure of himself. Mm-hmm. Right, Her, the um, the star the star Luke yeah. Skywalker. No, no, not Luke Skywalker. Antagonist, yeah, yeah. The, Rilo, uh, no, no, no. Her the what's you his mean name? the same the, the the recent movie? Yeah, he's the African American character. He's, oh, Finn. 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 Like he's completely unsure of himself. Right, he's like not really like a strong personality that kind of thing. Uh-huh. So he's like it's a complete like undoing of what masculinity is, what it means to be a man, what mean what it means to master something. Um, Even the know, Ray is an ambiguous name. Yeah, What does it mean? You know, Ray. Uh, no, it means king. Yeah, but I mean, to a male, uh, sorry, American yeah. audience, you don't know what that is. Could yeah. be anything. Could have so, been a guy. Yeah. I mean, and th- th- these things are like written on purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, like so. So I, I mean, I, I think, I, I think you're you're right. You know about the whole the media thing and um, pushing it, it slowly. Yeah, some, pushing subverting it the message, but yeah. it's subconsciously being absorbed. And then yeah. you take the next step and you put the kiss on screen. And then you take the next step and all of a sudden it's a lesbian couple is the gay Jedi's of whatever exactly. you know. And yeah. just like, that's not they love each other. What's wrong with that? Exactly. I mean that that's the other thing. The other advice that I have for for people who are trying to recalibrate their worldview mm-hmm. is to just disconnect yourself from American pop culture because. Every song that you're listening to, every movie that you're watching, if you realize, if you just switch it to a different culture, people who start watching like Ertuğrul or a Turkish TV show, or they start watching like you know, I don't know, Chinese cinema or something like that, their their mentality switches, right? So uh, you're gonna absorb whatever is in the worldview of the culture in which you live. Now, if you live here, obviously you're gonna absorb it to some extent. Yeah. But are you gonna amplify it yeah. even more? And and What's, what's being amplified is selectively amplified, right? Like you said, they're trying to reach 25% capacity in terms of coverage and all that stuff. So if you're amplifying things which are gonna mess with your worldview, what do you do? Just don't amplify that. Find an alternative or yeah. cut yourself off from that and you won't have the same 
influence or the same effect. And that's an argument people have against homeschooling. They say, aren't you afraid your kid's going to be isolated? I was like, well, we live in America. You think yeah. my kid's somehow going to avoid everything? He's going to, he has to play on one sports team. I promise you he'll see everything. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all. He has to be with, play with guys for one game. He'll see it all, like, right. you know, overnight. It's yeah, all, I, so that argument, you know, that you brought that up, is there's two aspects to that. One is their, their biggest argument is you're going to be sheltering. antisocial. Yeah, yeah. Right, antisocial. When they say you're going to be sheltering, right? That's kind of the point, right? You want to filter at least, right? Mm-hmm. So the thing is, do you want to expose everyone at such mm-hmm. a young age to everything? Like, is that what you do when you're teaching someone swimming? You throw them in the middle. You, you don't teach them how to swim. And you throw them in the deep end of the pool. So Not even deep end. Ocean. Waves. Yeah, ocean, yeah, <laughs> That's you, what they want. You got to throw them in a war zone. Yeah. And be like, you know what? Oh, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be all right. Be just fine. I turned out. Toughen up. Toughen up. You know, yeah, yeah. toughen up. That's not the way it works, right? So this this argument about sheltering, I'm like, what's the problem with sheltering? And you say, well, it's gonna be antisocial. Look at many homeschooled kids, or for, not not just to promote homeschooling, but look at sheltered kids in general. Like, you're not exposing them to pornography. You're not letting them to listen to music. You're not letting her, you know, do whatever. Like yeah. she's not gonna understand what's going on in the world. Hold on, first of all, do you know what's going? Yeah. <laughs> first of all, first of all, do you know what's going on in the world, right? Second of all, look, do you, you your idea of exposing them means the worst like, aspects of society. It, it, it's you, not just ex- you. You are throwing them with like mm-hmm. what drug dealers to so that they can know that drug dealing exists. Why can't you educate them about the issues? So I'm not saying shelter them that none of these things exist. I'm saying teach them in your own yeah, capacity. I want to expose them. I don't want society exactly, to expose them. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You expose them. You teach. I have no problem. You know, if the gender curriculum is going to be about teaching, you know, all these different genders and, you know, uh, non-binary gender in kindergarten, then I'll teach my kids in kindergarten myself yeah. what the idea of gender is, tell them my narrative, my perspective, yep. and let them know, by the way, they're saying this in school. Like and how wrong know, they are. This is not <laughs> correct. Want, yeah. yeah, exactly. Why not? You know, why would we not do that? So the argument is just like, it just makes no sense. You know, yeah. as if you want to expose them, okay, put put them in the South Central in the middle of you know. All wearing and, all red. <laughs> exactly, you know, and, 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 and let let them let them be exposed to like the absolute worst parts of society. It's ridiculous, man. Yeah. yeah, the onus is definitely now becoming more on the parents. You know, you really have to be involved. You have to read books. Yeah. Right. You gotta connect with those that know. Um, yeah. As a community, we definitely have to start getting more interconnected. Mm. Um, you know, we can't just be. Jama'a Muslims on Facebook and that kind of thing. No, we really need to, I mean, our own, uh, like we, we got to start doing what the Christians are doing in, mm. in, in America. Right. I feel like yeah. they have, they have way more cohesion. Evangelical Christians. Evangelical, yeah, yeah. you know, even Mormons, you know, those yeah, guys, Mormons, yeah. Catholics, Catholics, yeah. very yeah. Yeah. huge institutes for these things. Yeah. yeah. yeah they, they really have what, whatever they're doing, they're doing it right. And they're doing it with sincerity because they understand the context. And, yeah, and Muslims are still waking up. They're still not understanding where they are. I mean, I think those guys are coming from the point of view like, oh, we got to reclaim our land, our country. Mm. So we got to <laughs> do everything, you know. Yeah. And we're but like, they oh, they, oh, we're they just... know the consequences. They know where this ends up. Yeah, yeah. I think we should probably end now okay. because all the memory cards are full. Inshallah. <laughs> 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 that camera's that. out. That one's out. <laughs> this one just went out, and I think this one's uh, about to be full. <laughs> okay, so I think we really. Uh, uh, Alhamdulillah, we're going to cut it. Jazakallah khair, Sheikh Mustafa, for joining us today. It's been a wonderful discussion having you on our longest podcast, setting a record. Um, And uh, inshallah, um, we hope that anyone who listens benefited uh, from this. 
جزاك الله خير فور لسننج اند ذس از عمرو مبروك سايننج اوف السلام عليكم السلام ورحمه الله وبركاته